open up in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the finished work of salvation and grace. Lord, we don't want to abuse that grace by walking in sin, but Lord, we don't want to be so self-conscious about our sin that, Father God, we, we're just bound up in fear. So, Father God, I pray that people would receive salvation and the freedom that salvation brings to walk in righteousness with you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, anything that we need can be found in you, Father. And I just pray, Lord, this morning that you would use this time of worship and praise, Father, to bring glory to your name. Amen. This morning, um, I was doing some dishes, just kind of working around the kitchen before I came. And Psalm 91 just kind of kept going over in my mind this morning. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord that he is my rock, he is my refuge, he is my fortress. The verse goes on to talk about all the things that could happen to us if we are not attached to him. And I just want to encourage you this morning that whatever it is that you're in need of, whether it's a refreshing, you need an answer to prayer, you need healing, maybe you need peace, whatever it is, the secret is to be in Him. Whatever that is, you may have to get back into Him minute by minute. You may have to come to Him once a day and just, and just say, God, I want to start all over again. Whatever it takes, root yourself in Him. And he will give you every. He is the Praise Him, praise Him.
for the wonders of his love. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, praise him, for the wonders of his love. His amazing love, for God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to
in our life, every place in our heart, every place in our home. Father, will you reign? Lord, will you take, I want to get off the throne of my heart, Father God. I want you to reign in my heart, Lord, over what I watch on TV, what I listen to, who I surround myself, the words that come out of my mouth, the attitudes of my heart, Father. We just pray, Lord, that you would reign in our lives this morning. All the praise and all the Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're here. Good morning, church family. I'm not the most technologically sound person, so when they hand me a microphone that's off, we're hitting problems. But our God reigns. He is faithful through all situations. He reigns. And we don't have to ignore what's going on in the world today to stand solid, to stand firm, and stand confident on the fact that our God reigns. Are there economic crises going on that cause us a little angst? Sure. Is the world attacking us? Is the world coming after your children? Absolutely. The, the evil is pressing in, but you know something? The evil cannot overcome our God because right, the precious spilt blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has conquered death hell, sin, the grave, and everything that the enemy has, everything he has to throw at you, everything he has to throw at your family, your loved ones, your children, it cannot compare, compete, come close to overcoming our God. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns today. 
he reigns forevermore wherever you find yourself today whether you're on the top of the mountain or you're in the valley our help comes from the hills our God reigns he is here for you today in your sorrow he is here for you today in your joy he gets the glory in all seasons of our life church family because our God reigns he is faithful give him the shout of the Lord this morning doesn't isn't he good I'm just so encouraged to come into this building and be with, with the saints, with the body of Christ, to be with those of like precious faith. All the hardships of the week just fall off. Our God reigns. Lean into that this morning. Lord, we thank you for your son's sacrifice. We thank you that you reign, Lord. And as Beth was saying this morning, God, convict us of our sin and righteousness and draw us closer to you, Father be on the throne of our lives. When we find ourselves on the throne of our life, Lord, give us the constitution to tear us off of the throne and put you back in your place in our lives as our Lord and Savior, the one that rules, our King, Lord. We submit to you, Father. We pray that through this service, you continue to stir our hearts, continue to turn over the soil of our hearts that we would receive your word and that we'd be drawn closer into you. And though the hour is late and the times are dark, our faith is in you, our reigning Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church family, uh, take this time to greet one another, give some high fives and air hugs, whatever you're comfortable with, and uh, say hey to everybody. Chris, just test it. Test one. Test one, two. Check one, two. Test one. Keep it going. Test one. Are we registering?
Good morning, guys. If you guys will go ahead and make your way back to your seats, we'll get started with our announcements this morning. So our announcement time this morning is going to be ultra brief because we do not have an announcement video this morning. So um, just really quickly, I just want to remind you, first of all, my name is Kelly Wood. For those of you who are first time visitors at our church, um, I want to say good morning to you. On behalf of my husband, John, who's the senior pastor here and the rest of our staff, we want to say good morning and welcome to you. We're so very glad that we get to worship together today and that you um, chose to be part of our local body this morning. If for some reason our greeters missed you as you walked in the door, and it's possible, but if they did happen to miss you, if you'd do me a huge favor, and as you're exiting the building, there's a table in the middle of the two double doors, and if you would just stop by that table, we're not going to track you down. We'd just like to put a gift and some information in your hand and just, you know, see how we can serve you as a church body and answer any questions you have. There's one other thing that I just want to mention that's a great way to keep up with things in Christ, at Christ Chapel. In the App Store, there's a Christ Chapel Macon app. If you'll download that app, you can not only stream our services throughout the week and when they're posted online, so if you miss something or want to share something with somebody, it's available there. But the other thing is, too, it's got a complete church calendar of everything that we've got going on for your children's ministry this summer, um, for adult um, get-togethers as far as for adult Bible studies and, and things. We take a little bit of a break during the summer to give our volunteers a break, and then plus a lot of us are on vacation. So um, we do kind of, besides kids' camps, we don't do as much during the summer. But if you are looking for information, just go to the Christ Chapel Macon app, and you can even sign up for things on the app. So be sure to check that. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and while the um, they are playing music, we're going to have our time of tithes and offerings. So I just want to encourage you to take a moment as a family before you give to pray over your giving um, and it being something that you commit to the Lord. We've got our baskets right here as the music uh, plays, and then Pastor John will come and pray.
Good morning, church family. Would you stand with me this morning and turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 3, the book of Psalms chapter 3. there say amen we take up this psalm that King David is writing um, for himself for the Lord and little did he know for millions of people that would follow him a time of great crisis in his life and before I read this text let me I was going to do it after but let me just give you the setting here King David who has walked with the Lord for quite a while through Difficulty, opposition, loss, failure, betrayal, promotion. He's done a lot of life with God. And he's at a place in his life now where his son Absalom uh, has, over the period of a couple years, developed a following. And he is attempting to take the kingdom of Israel uh, away from David. The pain here was not David thinking he was going to lose status or notoriety. Uh, there's very uh, few pains like that of family pain and loss. So David is in crisis here, not because his job's at stake, but because his world is seemingly coming apart. For the Bible student, you'll know that this is a result of his sin with Bathsheba, because God in his grace forgave David of the sin, but God in his government allowed the, the, the after effects, not the penalty, but the after effects of his sin to follow him. And the sword never left David's house. David's boy with Bathsheba, or the baby with Bathsheba died. Uh, his relative niece Tamar, uh, daughter Tamar, I'm sorry, was, was raped. And then three other sons were killed. So David was in crisis. And I said all that to say this this morning. The point in the life of the believer is not the how we got into crisis. It's who we turn to in crisis. Because you can attach just about every bad thing to something. We've, if we deserve hell, we, we couldn't deserve better than we have. But when crisis comes, David wrote a psalm that I think is going to resonate in your heart this morning. And having said that, David said, O Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are rising up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. Selah. Pause. Think about that. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. David's going to give you a little background into his personal walk with God. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept, and I awaked. Why? For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Now, Paul's right there. Doesn't it seem like us in one moment, oh, God, they're all against me. How they're increasing. Uh, it's all coming apart. I'm not going to make it. And then I laid down to sleep and I woke up and I'm not going to be scared of 10,000 people that come against us. Such are we. Growing, changing, believing from glory 
to glory to glory. He said, I won't be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God. You have smitten and will you smite, is what the Hebrew means, upon the cheekbone all who are opposing me, breaking the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto who? We say all the time it belongs to us. No, it's his. And he gives it to whom he chooses. Salvation belongeth to the Lord, and your blessing is what? It's on you. Why is it that we can see more clearly the opposition against us than the blessing upon us? Father, I just pray this morning. I, I sense your spirit right now, and I just pray. I humble myself before you, and I, I make myself available to you. If you can use me today, Lord, I pray, use me to preach your word with a clarity and an unction and a power that would bring us, bring you into focus for us, oh Lord. Forgive us of our carnality and our distance. Open our eyes that we might see, oh Lord. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our heart that we might understand. Allow us the courage and the character to live out in this last hour. Absolute trust and faith in God Almighty. Nothing wavering, O oh Lord. Visit us today, O oh Lord. Move among your people. Move in our hearts. Overthrow the tables that have occupied us. We sang this morning, Lord, about ruling and reigning. Rule in us, Lord. For your glory's sake, I pray this morning, God. And God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. This morning, if the Lord allows, I'm going to try to teach and instruct and give you a lot. This is not so much a sermon as it is uh, a multitude. For those visiting, multitude doesn't mean eternal a multitude of statements about God that you can go and flesh out later. But I want you to see and look for the parallels in your life with what David was experiencing. They don't have to be identical to be the same, to be similar. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about the people. David spoke about those that opposed him, those that were increasing, those that were round about him, those that said there was no hope in God uh, in him. You need to know that great men, women, are opposed greatly. The greater your influence, the greater your consecration, the greater your availability, the greater, I don't mean great in the sense the world, the world thinks great means popularity. I mean useful in the hand of God. Great men, great people are opposed greatly. You don't send in armies to remove mushrooms. I wish I knew who to give credit to for that, but when I read that, I went, yes. And when you're indifferent and callous and cold and aloof from God, the devil doesn't bother you. But when you're spending your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can expect opposition. David said in verse 1, Lord how they are increased that trouble me, which means more and more opposition. Many are they that rise up against me. Whenever God gets ready to bless you, break you, change you, shape you, 
humble you or exalt you, he uses people. Near and far, friends and enemies, faithful and unfaithful, kind and cruel. God's favorite weapon, uh, instrument, if weapon in the world, instrument in the life of the believer is people. David's opposition was real, not imagined or exaggerated, but real. His opposition was personal, was vocal, and it was painful. Absalom, his son, would sit at the gate, and he—that's he, where the people would bring their grievances. We'd say like to court, but they'd be at the gate. And David was over—he had so much responsibility, and uh, literally, it was before the sun came up and went to bed. And Solomon sat at the gate and waited for the loudest person, and there was no one to hear his complaint. And he goes, hey, hey, my brother, what's wrong? Oh, so-and-so has happened in, in, in business, in commerce, and so-and-so has happened. And Solomon said, you know, would to God that the king was here to listen to your uh, complaint. Because this is a legitimate one, but tell me. And, and by doing this, Absalom turned the heart of the people away from David towards himself. And you better know David heard about it. It's what those closest to us say. It's what those closest to us do, what they leave undone, that has the greatest pain. And if you were the devil, and, and, and he could not get you in a bed of adultery, or you know, your partying days are long behind you, you know, we're, we're not that foolish anymore. He, I believe he would try to use the people's voice that matter the most against us or the absence of that voice this opposition listen it wasn't nearly as painful what the crowd says as what his son was saying but know this that God even uses our enemies to bring out of us the truest form of ourself cruel people release greatness in the heart of the humble Cruel people release greatness in the heart of the humble. It could be, you say, have you ever seen such opposition? Have you ever seen such unkindness and thoughtlessness? Could it be that that heavy hammer will be the thing God uses to break that part of you, that obstinate part of you and I, that carnal part, to release His glory? You carry this treasure in earthen vessels. We spend more time polishing the vessel and trying to super glue it back together than we do letting the spikenard of God's glory. Could it be that he's using your employer, an employee, a spouse, an ex-spouse, a child, both sane and insane? Could it be that he's using them to release the truest part of you? A trusting, believing, confident Christian that trusts God in all things. David's opposition was growing, often larger than his support. His, his opposition was active, relentless, maligning, mocking, cruel, and bloodthirsty. David's opposition, as I said, revealed who he was. In revealing who David really was. Number two. The prediction. 
the world, what they say about you? Why is it that it matters so much to you what ungodly people say about you? The people that can't spell Jesus. You ask them, do you know Jesus? They say, what's his last name? They don't know. Why does it matter to you their opinion? What the world thinks, what, what friends on Facebook, you don't even know their last name and it matters to you what they think. You don't, why does all of that matter to us? Because we become distracted. Many there be which say of my soul. You know David's been on Facebook because he knows what everybody said. That was a joke, by the way. Y'all don't be wound so tight today. It's okay. Many, say that with me, many, which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Oh, you've done crossed over now. You've done crossed over in your thought life and in your words. You went from talking about who I was to talking about who God is. You can say what you want. David could have said, you can say what you want about me. An adulterer, yes. Murderer, yes. Liar, yes. But he was God's boy and God's elect and God's king and man does not get to determine when God's hope runs out for an individual only God gets to determine that this prediction what a what a godless baseless ignorant prediction for someone to say there's no hope for him in God it came from their unbelief this statement came from their cruelty I know it came from their jealousy and it came from base, ignorant people. This prediction maligned God every bit as much as it did David. And it would, could only be made by people that were willing to ignore divine realities. They ignored David's election in the government of God. Here's this little boy that was so insignificant. And don't think that that wasn't buried down in his soul too. That when the prophet... You don't understand. We think our presidency is something, uh, the office. No, no. The prophet in Israel was the voice of God. It was like hearing the audible voice to the God. When Samuel spoke, the Bible said God did not let one of his words fall to the ground without it happening. And Samuel came to visit Jesse, David's daddy, and he said, bring all your sons before me. And he did not even bring David. Some of us carry some things today because of what a parent didn't do or what a parent said or what a parent didn't say. David is no stranger to this. And he called all the sons before Samuel. And Samuel's thinking, look at this boy's head and shoulders above everybody. And God said, that's not the one. Don't look on the outside. Don't look on the outside. I don't know who that's for today. Don't look on the outside. Look on the inside. Look on the inside. And he went through all the sons. And then Samuel said one of the most uh, overlooked passages in the Bible. He said, is this all your sons? <laughs> Does anybody else not find that just humorous? You're asking a father, is this all your sons? Well, I think I'd know how many sons I have. Is this all your sons? He goes, well, except for the little boy David in the field. He goes, go get him. And in comes this little ruddy small, red-cheeked little boy and stood before him and God whispers in the ear of Samuel, that's the king. Samuel pours the oil over David 
whispers in his ear, you're the elect of God. I have a word for you this morning, for someone in this room. Why do you think upon and know more clearly what people say than what God has said about you? Thou art mine, he says. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. You're mine. When they're done talking, you're mine. There's no hope for him and God. You're mine. God's abandoned them. You're mine. You're mine. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I poured the oil of gladness over your head. I gave you the earnest of the spirit. You are mine. Turn off their frequency. Listen to what I say. God's not just going to say you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. He'll correct you. But our problem is not so much that we're, we're not willing to be correct. It's that our radio's blaring on every other signal but God's. What about this? No one can pluck you from my hand. No one can pluck you from Well, none of my family. No one can pluck you from him. My wife thinks no one can pluck you from my hand. They would have to ignore David's election. They would have to ignore David's place in the plan of God, his value in the eyes of God, and his history in the works of God. Man, you've got too many things behind you, too many victories, too many Goliaths have fell, too many Hebrons have fell, too many conquests. You've got Goliath's armor hanging in your tent, and you're worried that someone else says there's no hope for you and God. Away with that foolishness. It doesn't matter if the world says we're all fools and call us ignorant and right-wing and uh, fools and base. And call me what you want, but when Christ comes, call me gone because I ain't going to be here. They ignored David's faith in the promises of God and his intimacy with the person of God. They ignored David's caring of and reliance upon the presence of God. The prediction, he said, many there be which say of my soul, there is, there is no hope for him and God. And every one of them was wrong. Many say this, and they're wrong, 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 and they're wrong. Come back tomorrow, there's so many of them. And they're wrong, and they're wrong, and they're wrong, and they're wrong. Number three, I want to talk to you about the protector. David said in verse three, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. David looked past his situation and then looked unto the Lord. David knew he was in danger, but God is his shield. We pray and we want the arrows to stop flying. But how do you know the beauty and the glory and the value of God as your shield if no arrows fly? See, we want no conflict. God wants to show you how safe you are in the conflict. Taking the shield of faith, God's word, God's presence, your belief system about God, and that shield will extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. All. Say it with me. All. Not some. All. Every time, each time, all the time. David's situation was discouraging. 
but God was his glory and the lifter of his head. David may have to vacate his throne, but God is still on his glory. I love, the older I get, I see more nuances in the scripture. You know, over the years, you, you, you see the historical part, but then you see the nuances. His son, through treachery and lies and deceit and cruelty, is trying to take the throne. And David said, let's go. And his warriors, I mean, they killed thousands and thousands of people. He said, let me just go kill this dog. He said, no. I didn't ask for the throne. God wants me to have it. He found me in a field and he gave it to me. And if he wants me to keep it, then he can keep it for me. I'll leave and whoever wants it can have it. Oh, what peace would fill your heart when you didn't feel, if you stopped taking on the responsibility of obtaining and keeping the will of God in your life. And Abraham and Lot's servants came to a disagreement because there wasn't enough water and there wasn't enough grass for all the animals and Lot wasn't about to lose a dollar. He wanted to, you know, he just, let's, let's, let's separate one from another. And Abraham said, you pick. What? You pick. Where does that fit in your modern day prosperity gospel? You pick. Go ahead. And Lot chose for himself the well-watered land of Sodom, and it was like the Garden of Eden. If you could just interview Abraham right then. Say, why you let him pick first? You know he's going to pick best. Don't, don't let them get ahead of you. Don't, don't let them win this round, this chapter. Don't let them do that. you got to fight. God expects you to use common sense. Listen, if God wants me to have the land he picks, he's just going to pick him up, move him, and put me there. I don't have to jockey for possession or prestige or status. All I have to do is walk humbly before the Lord. And if the Lord delights in me, then I will inherit the land. And by the way, Sodom, the well-watered land of Sodom, it was like Eden. Yeah, the grass is always greener over the septic tank. Don't ever forget that. But thou, O Lord, art a shield unto me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Will you just look at that in verse 3 very quickly, a little exegesis for you? But in spite of all of this, outside of all this, in the place of all of this, regardless of all of this, thou, O Lord, self-existent one, self-exalted one, eternal one, you are, not might be, not maybe, not hopefully, prayerfully, not was yesterday, but thou art. You're a shield unto me. That Hebrew word, word shield is like the hide of a crocodile. Is it God, what you, when you encompass me and encase me, they can come and shoot and do all they want to do, but I am secure under the canopy of your presence and your person. You're my glory, Lord. You're my weight and you're my splendor. Watch this. It's not where I sit in this world that gives me glory. It's where I sit in heavenly places that gives me glory. You can take this. I can lose this. My eyes can go dim. My faculties can leave. My body can betray me. But my position is not an earthly position alone. This is an assignment. My position is I'm hid in Christ with God. And I cannot be moved. 
He said, you're my glory and the lifter of my head. You raise my view. You raise my eyesight. You raise my person and my expectation. Number four, the prayer. David said in verse four, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I cried unto the Lord, David said, which was my common practice. I cried to the Lord from a desperate place. I cried to the Lord from the depth of my soul. I cried with my voice. Don't let someone else cry to God more on your behalf than you do. I got to call grandma. I got to call Papa. Papa, he's my rock. You better have a different rock than Papa. You better know God for yourself. David said, I cried to God with my voice. I cried aloud. I cried unashamedly. And I cried with genuine faith. I cried out to him first, singularly, with full assurance and great expectation. I cried to the Lord, and, and, and my prayer moved me to a place of profound consolation. I cried to the Lord. Lord, save me. Heal my mind, O oh God. Heal my soul. Smite them on the mouth, O oh Lord. Protect my babies, O oh God. Heal my marriage. Heal my body. Heal my home. Heal me, O oh God. I cried to the Lord. And just like the disciples in the New Testament, they don't do it so much now in person. They do it behind the scenes. Shh. It doesn't take all that. We need to have a little decorum. We Blind Bartimaeus just heard that Jesus was coming. What does a blind man do when he hears that Christ is nearby? Jesus! Jesus! Have mercy on me! And his disciples, shh, you be quiet, you're not blind. Jesus! Have mercy on me! And they brought him to Jesus. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, that you would open my eyes. So what was he really saying? Save me. I have something that only you can do. I talked to your disciples. I talked to Pastor John. He wasn't much help. I need you, oh Lord. One of the greatest tools that you need to have in your belt in this last hour, and we are the terminal generation before the return of Jesus Christ, is you need to be spirit-filled, and you need to know for yourself how to cry unto God. Not just physical tears. They can be tears, but cry singularly, unashamedly, passionately, emotionally. Well, God doesn't hear us for our loud crying. He doesn't hear timid ones either. It's not because they're timid that he hears them. My point is, I think if we know genuine, God knows genuine. You ever seen someone on television or on a award show or something do fake tears or crocodile tears or something? See someone in a church faking through the emotions. And then you got a mama whose baby's diagnosed with terminal cancer. And you ain't even given altar call and she walks the aisle and falls on the altar and says, help me, oh Lord, oh Lord, help me. Which one do you think reaches the ears of God? David said, 
I prayed. Not to the Pope. Not to a dead saint. I didn't light a candle. I didn't rub beads. I didn't get Pastor John. I didn't look for two or three to agree to me. I called on the name of the Lord. The Lord. The great prophet. The high priest. You don't need anybody helping you in heaven to get the word to God. There is one name under heaven that gives you access. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest holies. By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, which he consecrated through the veil. That is to say his flesh, no other Christians. And now having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true assurance, full of faith. And we let our request be made known to God. Who you cry to first is the prophet of your future. Because if you cry to man, that is the limitation of your help. But if you cry to God, God speaks to things that are not as though they are. Very quickly, number five, I want to speak to you about the peace. David said, I laid me down and slept, and I awaked for the Lord sustained me. This kind of peace requires trust. Look, keep your Bible open, verse 5. He said, I laid me down. He didn't say I self-medicated. He didn't say I stayed up for three days and nights and fell asleep. He said, I laid myself down in the Lord's presence. The trust was up to David. The sleep was up to God. You see it in the word? I laid myself down. Problem unsolved. And I laid myself down. No plan. And I laid myself down. I just got to get everything in order before I can go to bed. Nothing was in order. As a matter of fact, we're, we're leaving the palace. And I laid myself down. His peace followed rest. It not only required trust, but it followed rest. He said, I laid down and what? And slept. David gave the trust. God gave the rest. His peace followed him in the morning. And then it says what? He said, I slept and what? Come on, what does it say? And I awoke. Everybody look this way. Morning always comes. Oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. If it doesn't come in this world, you open your eyes in the next one. And you're not looking for a son in the next one. You're looking at the son. He said, and I awaked. Of course you did. Because morning always comes. This is the smoke and mirrors of the devil. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this way. When everything's going well, it's always going to be this way. Don't plan for tomorrow. When it's going horrible, it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this way. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. All you got to do is pull the drape back on the wizard. That's all you have to do and go, morning always comes. Why? Because God set it into motion and said as, as long as the earth exists, morning and evening, or evening and morning, evening and morning. As a matter of fact, in creation, he didn't start with mornings. He starts with evenings. An evening and morning was the first day. An evening and the morning was the second day. Could there be an inference there that God makes your days out of the nights before? Mm. That's why you can't stop me from dancing in the sun today because I paid too big a price to get here.
this laughter, don't let it fool you. It was birthed in a pool of tears. Morning comes. I didn't think it was coming, and it came anyway. Spring always comes. The, uh, Lord, it seemed like winter was so far away here in middle Georgia. But when, those of us from the north, and you know, ice covers everything. I mean, you can't see nothing. Ain't no birds, ain't no animals, ain't no insects, nothing. There's just, it's just ice. Just as far as you can see, ice. And you think, the world's dead. And then one day you see a little flower or a weed stick up, and you go, wonder what happened? Spring's coming. And then you hear a bird chirp, 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 chirp. And some of you have bought into the lie. You've already dug your hole. You've laid in the ground, and you've covered your arms and saying, this is it. There's no help for me and God. You done bought into the lie of ignorant people. Morning always comes. There's several nights in my life that I knew I wouldn't make it through the night. I knew I wouldn't. I had a doctor look me in the face one time and say, your heart is sitting in a pool of adrenaline and it's just going to quit. You could drop dead. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. He said, you can drop dead any second. And I laid myself down, and I awoke. I awoke in his presence. <laughs> I, I can't live a day longer than I'm supposed to live, and I'm not going home a day earlier than I'm supposed to die. So I might as well get some sleep up in here. <laughs> Pastor John's a little sharper today than he usually is. I went to bed like 8.30 last night. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. All the lights were on. Kelly was on the computer. Dogs running across the floor. I'm like, <laughs> do these lights bother you? Does this hurricane bother you? <laughs> peace followed him to the morning. And his peace, this peace, oh, when you enter into peace, when you enter, listen, peace with God. If you have peace with God, shouldn't you have the peace of God? I'm just, we're just talking. Should, shouldn't you have that? If you have peace with God, shouldn't you have the peace of God? His peace brought forth perspective and praise. Here's how I know if you're good by what you say in the morning. What do you mean? The day after. He said, the Lord, read it. To, what does it say? The Lord what? In that verse. Verse 5, last part. What does it say? I waked. Why? He didn't say I woke because of my faith. He didn't say I woke because I had great character. He said, because the Lord sustained me. I woke because it was not my time and it was God's will. The Lord sustained me. You hear some Christians tell it and th their story sounds more like an homage to their perseverance instead of God's faithfulness. May I just go on record today? I'll be 60 in August if Jesus tarries. And the Lord has sustained me. Supposed to die as an infant. And he sustained me. Broken vows. Broken heart broken body, 
broken mind, broken will. Oh, they, they encamped about me and cruel, they did cruel things. I had one lady, uh, and this is not in my notes, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know who's visiting. The Lord does, and if he prompts, if you feel a prompting in your heart about something you didn't plan on saying, maybe someone needed to know that you're not the first one and you're going to be okay in this. It was a Sunday before Christmas, many years ago. And during this dark season in my life, I did not have anxiety attacks, but I would, my hands would do this, and I couldn't get them to stop. It was part of that adrenaline thing, the heart thing I told you about. And this lady come up, I was behind the drape over here, and I'm just walking and praying, I'm like, oh God, help me, help me. And I'm telling you very, it's kind of like preaching in a bathrobe. It's kind of like, you know, you're embarrassed, but if it helps you, glad to tell you. I didn't care what you thought about me. I just didn't want someone to think, look, God's not even keeping him. You know. And I said, Lord, please just, just help me with my hands. Just let me be. Let me be get let me be strong for an hour. And then from there, you know, they can say and do it. I, I can come apart. So she comes around, she goes, the Lord gave me a word for you. He's judging you. He's smiting you. He's abandoned you. And I said, I looked her in the face and I said, please don't do this today. She goes, I can only do what God tells me to do. And she began to curse me. I said, if you've ever loved me, would you not do this today? And she pronounced curse after curse after curse upon me. Now, before we villainize her, listen. I deserved most of what she said. And what she didn't cover, I was guilty of. But the Lord didn't send her because he doesn't put out smoldering candles. I know his words, see. He can come like Nathan and say, thou art the man, but he doesn't cut you down to the ground and extinguish your light. And she walked off I remember watching the counter like yesterday. I was like, seven, six, five, four. I walked up on stage. Three, two, one. I said, good morning. I was hearing myself. I was like, who are you? I said, I guess I'm sustained. I guess I'm preserved. I guess, and see, that's just a moment. Being sustained does not mean you don't bottom out. And it doesn't mean that you don't experience weakness. And it doesn't mean that confusion doesn't swirl around you and that you don't experience weakness. It means that having said all and done all and believed, I just lay myself down to sleep and trust that the Lord is going to get me up in the morning. And yeah, that, that's not supposed to be the lifestyle, but you're going to visit those places. My greatest strength comes some of my greatest strength comes from what I came through. And when you come through Red Seas, swollen brooks don't scare you no more. <laughs> did, you, did you see the news? News? I've lived the news. What are you talking about? When they say stage four and you make it through and they go, you know, you could have an ailment in your left shoulder. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Did you know your dog is chewing on the fabric of your... I don't care. I don't care. 
Some of you are chuckling because you don't know what I'm talking about, and others are chuckling because you do know what I'm talking about. We've done lived long enough now in the Lord. We understand that the things we used to worry about, we don't worry about no more. I'm going to Zion. I'm heading home. I'm on my way there, and I can't change this. So what do we do? Go take a nap. Spiritual people take naps. Fat people are precious. Did you know that? The Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord. So just take that verse with you. Don't, don't quote, I'm sorry. I'm precious in his sight today. Woo! You got five more minutes? Can I finish this for you? And then there was the proclamation. He said, after he got his perspective back, he goes, looky here, the Lord sustained me. The sun came up. I didn't think it was coming back up. Chris, if you would just cue that music for me. He said in verse 6, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. Whoa, now. We went from just many are they which say this about me. Now David's done one night's sleep. It wasn't a 12-hour period that changed. It's his perspective changed. He woke up. <sighs> he got a cup of coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee. He got an unsweet tea and a diet do. It was one of those mornings where you needed two of them. He stretched and he goes, let's say his friend called him. Hey, David, how are you? I don't care if 10,000 people come up against me. What happened to you? Watch. You thought it was physical rest. I entered into the rest of the Lord. Last night, God did something for me. I was crying. I was calling out to him. And then I saw, I remembered I revisited, I looked, I cried, he heard me, I woke up, I had another revelation, he sustained me, and he said, I don't care if they line up and coordinate their efforts against me, arise, O Lord, and save me. See, I've already got my secret weapon. You do what you're going to do, and as for me, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. Y'all are going to think this is silly. I haven't told a living soul this. Kelly saw it. And I just, it, it made me feel good about my place in my journey. About a week and a half ago, y'all remember that group of storms that came through? I don't know if Macon got them. We got them in Forsyth. Country folk always get it. You know, we, we got it. It was like, I mean, I don't know if it's a tornado or a microburst, but I'm very familiar having a place at the beach for years and years 40 and 50 mile an hour winds it was stronger than that it came up in our field and it was dirt and grass and everything was blowing around sticks and limbs were coming down and Kelly came outside with the kids I said y'all go to the canning house and I trust you don't think I'm trying to think I'm something I'm just telling you it did my heart good to know what the knee-jerk reaction was so they're running to the canning house, and I just turned towards the storm, and I went like this. While my family goes to the canning house, why do you think you did that? It's like if you hit your knee, and the reflex does that. Do I think I have anything in me? Do I think I'm anything? No, but this looks kind of like, save me, Lord! 
It wasn't, oh, let's run. It was, I'm aware of the circumstances. Y'all go to the canning house and go underground. And I just lifted my hands up toward it. Do you think it helped? It didn't hurt. What would happen if we turned our worrying into just a Lord save me he said I will not be afraid I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people save me my God and then he ended it with praise he said salvation belongs to the Lord and his blessing is upon his people how can I go under when I'm your people how can I do how can I do without I may not have everything I want. I may go backwards, but you're responsible for sustaining me. You're responsible for, preser for preserving me. Your blessing is on me. Now, I waited all morning to tell you this. Some of us have forgotten, and others of us don't know this. But David did not have the Holy Spirit inside of him. He was basing all of this on written pages alone. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Comforter. And the Bible says the Comforter will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus has said to you. He'll remind you of the word. He'll remind you of the word. He'll remind you of the word. Would y'all stand with me one more time? Would you put back on the screen Psalms 3 for me? Kelly, could I ask you to come up? Would you just read this and pray over us? Psalms 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no hope for help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Lord, we just stand today in the power of your word. Lord God, I just pray that your word would go forth. I was thinking earlier in the sermon, Lord God, that we hear that your word, people say all the time, the word of the Lord does not return void. 
And just in layman's terms, I think about how that means. Your, your word will always produce what it's sent forth to do. It will always produce. It's not barren. It will always produce, Lord God. And I just pray that in our hearts and minds and lives today, Lord, in every small or large area, Lord God, any pocket where we find in our soul and our heart, Lord God, that we need this word to penetrate, I just pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that it would penetrate and it would produce what you have desired it to produce in us, Lord God. We rest in the power of your word, Lord God. And we thank you and we bless you, Lord God. I thank you for each person that's here today, each person who's heard your word, Lord God. I pray that we would walk forth in this next week, Lord, in the power of your word, Lord God. And I just thank you, Lord, until we can return together here to worship you again. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful Lord's Day.